Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Regulation and insurance. Which one do you want to start with? I think the first place to start, maybe, since you delayed, uh, Ernie and Erica, uh, uh, I mean, it had to be six years ago, seven years ago, they got the uh, stuff done for Portland, Oregon. So now the Portland, Oregon building codes have rocket mass heaters in them. The Alternative Technology Committee of the Portland Building Department has them as an alternative that is acceptable without having to get a Paul song and dance getting approval with an engineer certifying because Portland has accepted it as something that they know to be safe and and that has profoundly influenced even places outside of Portland who said okay now, now we know what this is because Portland knows what it is and uh, anytime that it can be normalized that the rocket heaters are normalized in that way uh, makes it immensely he- easier to convince code people um on a similar level, I've seen things with straw clay, where the uh, code guy said, you show me one place here in California where they've allowed something that crazy. And, and the builder was able to say, well, actually, I was part of a group that got it included in the code in Marin County, which is fairly conservative. And uh, and the person, the, the code person's response was, oh, okay, well, then I guess I'll approve it because that's what I told you. And, and it works. And um, and so being able to have the conversations that normalized rocket heaters to people who've never heard of them, whose job is to make sure that only things they know to be safe get built, uh, makes a, a far bigger difference than like any sort of uh, strong arming we can do. All right. The next thing is, is that I have heard of at least a dozen counties and cities that have copied the rocket mass heater code from Portland and worked it into their building codes. So I know of at least a dozen. Um, But I'm going to speculate that at this time, roughly 25 to 30% of the places that have building codes have rocket mass heaters in their building codes. And this is 2018. That's my speculation based upon hearing it so many times. And there's, surely there's there's stuff where I haven't heard of it. Now, you're looking at me like that I'm seems surprised high. at that high number because most places I would think would say, huh. Pick, pick your number. I would say um, maybe 15, maybe 10, 15%. Just because I can see where uh, Washington and California, that 
and in you know Nevada, maybe Idaho. I can see that uh, that those um, those places having that proximity to Portland uh, socially and legislatively, it, it being something. Oh yeah, we'll do that. But um, uh, when I talk to my code people in Ohio, um, they say, "Well, show me where it is in the uh, uh, in the." Um, in the, the International Building Code, uh, or show me the UL number on it, uh, because it's a constructed um, uh, piece of consumerism. Uh, so where a factory has done the testing for us, uh, or don't build it, um, and uh, and that seems to be where most of where most people are. Um, the the cracks in that armor seem to be things like my local fire chief uh, when I gave him a copy of the book and he read the book and he said this is the first non-suicidal wood stove I've ever seen too bad it's illegal it being illegal because it falls into that middle of the triangle between masonry heaters and that have to be a certain way and uh, fireplaces that have to be a certain way and wood stoves that have to be a certain way and it doesn't fit any of those exactly but if you can present this as uh, to your local building person, uh, loading code code person, as look, this is like those things, only safer because it doesn't deposit dick on the inside of a chimney and cause the house to burn down later. Which is the number one thing they're concerned about. Exactly, really? that's the number one thing they're concerned about. And then the second thing they're concerned about is your neighbor complaining because the smoke smoked them out. Like if you had a central boiler outdoor thingy, um, they're the they're complaint-driven. Their job is to respond to complaints and to look in a book and see whether that complaint is something they can make you stop or not. That's the parameters of their job. And um, and if you ask them to step out of those parameters, you have to have really good documentation, really good reasons. And, and once you do, though, and you've convinced them, you've normalized it, and, and it become something that other people can put in and not only can you put it in but they can say to the next person who comes in applying for a permit to put in a wood stove they can say we checked out these rocket stove things because they don't have any of the creosote that we're so worried about yeah it just works I, I like the expression uh, Julian Winter came up with which is that uh, a rocket mass heater or the, the J-tube effectively really it's the J-tube um, has domesticated the uh, chimney fire, and so uh, it's like the, the the primary concern of a lot of these places is a uh, chimney fire. How they lose so many homes to chimney fires from conventional wood stoves and fireplaces. Uh, of course, the next concern is is like I've lived in communities where they had air inversions, and a bunch of people had you know wood stoves that pumped smoke into the air, and and um, uh, it was unbearable. Yeah. At the same time. Um, if it was one-tenth the smoke, because these people were heating their homes with one-tenth the wood, then it would have been bearable and not a problem. But I think a rocket mass heater is closer to one-one-thousandth of the smoke. Now, I'm going to state one-one-thousandth the smoke of a conventional wood stove. What would be your number? I would say a very, very small amount of, uh, I mean, because I've had a conventional wood burner that smoked horribly, 
And and, uh, through my process, this is all anecdotal because we live anecdotally. We don't live in a lab. We don't live in in a in a code office. We live in in our house with the thing that we could afford and thought was a good idea at the time. So I went from a propane uh, furnace in my double wide trailer in Cleveland, Ohio, that cost me sometimes a thousand dollars a month for propane. Um, and this is this is 13 years ago or so. And, and and it went from that to a wood stove that was a $200 piece of junk wood stove that. Um, I had to get up twice a night to to, to feed it, uh, and it cost me a thousand dollars a year in um, in split white oak. Uh, but it was still better than I had before, and I had to clean that sucker out. I had to get up there on the roof in the middle of the winter and clean the pipes um, every six weeks because it was clogging up with creosote because it was that bad of a wood stove, but it was still better than paying for the propane. Um, and it was still better than choking on my neighbor's smoke from their central boiler that even a quarter mile away was filling the little valley I live in, and my little burner wasn't nearly that bad. Uh, and when I switched to a rocket heater that uh, cost me $100 a year to heat my house with, with no splitting or stacking of firewood, just this, the, the pieces that are left over from the uh, flooring manufacturer down the street, uh, put it in boxes and bring it in when I need it. Um, hundred dollars a year to heat my house and no smoke. And I haven't had to clean the chimney out in the three years since I put that thing in. Um, and it works. It just works. Okay. So, um, regulators dominantly concerned about chimney fires, which a rocket mask heater doesn't have. Right. Um, uh, also concerned about smoke, which which pretty much don't have a little smoke at the beginning, a little smoke at the end. The rest of the burn is very clean. Um, uh, we use the smoke and the creosote as fuel. Um, I can't, I'm trying to think of like, what are the other concerns? I mean, I suppose just general fires from people playing with fire, uh, inside the home, you know, the rocket originated from. In addition to you know, the, these concerns about smoke in the house, because in Guatemala, where it originated, there was you cook on these things in your house, and mom would die of lung cancer at 30. But the amount of wood that people were using was stripping the hillsides. And when we did this, uh, our, our jamboree back in, uh, last year in October, uh, the people who were most avidly following every little thing we were doing here and were asking me questions in the middle of the night and and uh, and talking about what Attilio would upload, the pictures, uh, were people in Bulgaria and Romania who are freezing to death and who um, can't get firewood without breaking the law and going and stripping the hillsides in the national park to have something to heat their house with. And, uh, and so these guys tinkering is making a profound difference in their quality of life uh, because then they can burn little scraps of things that otherwise would have been thrown away and they can burn little twigs in the yard and uh, and and then they can sit on something warm after the fire has gone out because they ran out of wood. Um, and, th- and so this really matters to them as compared to, to this. And, and the regulators there, I, I would wish they would say, hey, look, we can take the pressure off of stripping the hillsides of wood and look 
we can get rid of all of this uh, this uh, biomass that goes into landfills by burning it in these um, uh, in our, our rocket heaters. So uh, our, these the regulators are concerned about this. When I took one of these uh, rocket heaters to a uh, firefighters annual um, uh, equipment show. So they had these big ladder trucks and pumper trucks and uh, and uh, cool new uh, axes to break doors down with and everything. And I'm sitting there in the parking lot on a nice October evening with this warm thing with no smoke. And people are coming going, what is this? This is a wood stove. Where's the smoke? There's no smoke. And this one big old guy got a little teary about this because uh, I mean, I live in a, a township with 4,000 people in it, and there were and and the local firefighters between the different communities that have arrangements with each other to respond to fires. The fire department had responded to over a thousand chimney fires. The fire department for a 4,000-person community had responded to over a thousand chimney fires in uh, in that one year. So this matters to them because they're the ones who pull out the dead bodies because everybody's just trying to get a little more heat out of that and they damp it down just a little bit longer and not have to get up in the middle of the night to feed their wood stove. So they damp it down a little more and just a little more creosote and they don't want to pay the guy $150, $200 to come and clean their chimney out. So we'll just wait a little longer. And we all do that in one way or another. And so setting ourselves up to have it not happen so that it doesn't get as, as, uh, as, as clogged up as quick and so that it, so we're not going to burn our house down instead of we do it less often. It's something we want to work toward and make people aware that's even a possibility. And, and that awareness is what actually fuels the revolution, I guess. I think another angle on regulation is that when you get to the point that like 10% of your population is doing it, suddenly regulators are thinking, like, maybe we should take a good look at this. And I've heard from hundreds, maybe a thousand different people that have elected to build a rocket mass heater somewhere that um, it might not be legal, and um, they're getting away with it because it doesn't produce any sign that it's in operation. Um, I think that there's a couple that you and I both know really well that bragged about it um, regularly. Um, and uh, they had a, a neighbor who was uh, trying to find things to report them for, and they never discovered it. Um, uh, so I kind of feel like when it comes to regulation, that's another path. Is, was that a wood stove? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, and... Um, if regulators look and say, look, there's going to be wood heat here. People are going to want to heat their houses with wood because propane is expensive, electric is expensive, and the power goes out here. And they look at it and say, well, so what's the best way to do this? They say, okay, so if we only allow, if we allow wood stoves, we only allow really clean wood stoves. And look, this rocket heater is a very clean wood stove. All right, so do you want to spend $5,000 on a Blaze King because it's pretty clean 
and will allow it because it's pretty clean? Or do you want to build a rocket heater uh, or uh, because it, it can be built relatively inexpensively and it's even cleaner than the Blaze King? Your choice, but if, if you can give people the choice because they're aware that it exists, um, then it starts being, uh, being able to work itself into the system. It can't even start to work itself into the system if you're still dealing with the insurance company saying, I don't know anything about it, talk to the talk to the code guys, and the code guys saying, I don't know anything about it, talk to the insurance company, and then both saying, well, fine, since we both don't know anything about it, no, you can't do it. Right, right. I think an amazing story is Erica's story before she got involved with actually writing the code to allow rocket mass heaters in the uh, Portland building code. And, um, I mean, I, I do think, I mean, we've had regulators here taking uh, workshops. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've met a lot of really wonderful people. And I think most regulators are pretty cool. We always say the Department of Making you sad. And that's mostly because we think about those few regulators that are like, um, they don't, well, anyway, they, they, they end up just saying no because they don't they don't know what it is. And, um, and so it's like, you know, here you are excited about a thing and they're saying no. But Erica's story was pretty amazing. And, um, the regulator tried to ask loaded questions, and it's like, this rocket mass heater in your home, this is your only source of heat, right? <laughs> because that, that's an exemption. He says, no, we got electric heat, too. It's, you're right, because that's an exemption. And this person was actually excited enough about what she was doing to bend over backward to help find a way to have it exist. And there are two ways to respond to that. Um, uh, of one is getting the exemption because then you have your rocket heater, and also um, now somebody knows about them, so it moves forward in that way. And another way that some people use is to respond to that is to actually I don't want the exemption. I want this thing to be looked at in its own merits. Because if we're forced to look at it in its own merits, even though I might actually not get to build this right now, my end goal, my end game is is not to have everybody have to have this conversation. Because uh, the economics of building that allow things to have millions of copies made all over the world um, come from uh, the the normalization and the, uh, the that. Uh, ramping up doesn't really happen until uh, uh, until there's a threshold of adoptability of people saying, yeah, okay, we'll include this in the code, and uh, and there will be um, a SKU number for this because because people are doing this enough that we all know what it is. Until that happens, um, the it's like riding your your tricycle. Uh, through the woods and wondering why you're not getting anywhere where that guy out there on the freeway with his Tesla is just zooming down the road. Um, and we need to come out of the woods a bit. And uh, even though in the woods, they're not pulling us over saying what kind of tricycle you're trying to ride on my freeway, um, we, we got we to gotta come out of the woods a little bit to be able to even discuss it. So just real quick, I'll, you know, because we're trying to talk about regulation and insurance. Um, one of the things is is that if you try to build a rocket mass heater 
just has a butt warmer outdoors. Um, my understanding at this time is perfectly legal everywhere in the United States, uh, except, oddly enough, for San Francisco. Um, they won't allow any... I, my understanding is, is like you can't even have a barbecue, like a, an outdoor barbecue grill in San Francisco. I'm, I can't help but think that can't be right. Well, there, Maybe that's true. There are some places where uh, quality of air issues population density and for inversions in this valley that people live in, quality air, of air issues tell us, say, say, look, no solid fuels things, no charcoal grills, no, just no. And there's some where they, where they look around and at, at the closeness of other buildings and they're all made out of wood and they're all uh, plastic and they're all flamey bits and they're all right there and they say, look, no, no building of things that have big fires, and and that stops it. And I think that'll stop it, regardless of whether it's a fancy thousand uh, uh, dollar metal pizza oven that you've imported from Italy, or whether it's uh, our rocket heater or whatever. It's just going to stop it because they're just look. We we're so worried about everybody here dying um, slowly or quickly that we're just going to no. We're not going to do this. Um, with uh, uh, the, the with most situations, uh, um, you're going to have an exemption of some sort of a barbecue grill. Of like nobody really cares. Uh, we can't afford with our code people to have to care about whether you have a charcoal grill or a thing like a charcoal grill. And if we argue that our bun warmer that's outside is like a charcoal grill, I'm not trying to sleep on it in my house and maybe die of asphyxiation because it wasn't built right. It's a charcoal grill sort of a thing. They're like, whatever, we're, no, we're not going to deal with it. And, and you're free to do whatever you want. But as soon as you start bringing it inside, um, whether it's a charcoal grill or a rocket heater, it starts to be more interesting to the public good. Uh, as to whether that thing is going to kill people. And uh, and if we have more and more answers of no, in fact, it's going to save lives in terms of air quality, in terms of, um, of biomass use, in terms of, uh, of people staying warm instead of freezing to death. Um, uh, solving global problems. Exactly. It's, 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 it's as local as you can get to solving global problems. We were talking earlier today about the... Uh, uh, the percentage of power that's produced at, ele- at an electric plant, regardless of the, the, the method you take, the, the you make electricity, the, there's a very small percentage of that electricity that actually shows up in your house. And even if our, our baseboard heaters are 100% uh, efficient at converting that electricity into heat we can use, um, we've still thrown away... Uh, a huge percentage of the electricity just getting it there, and um, and we've hidden the cost in the cost per kilowatt hour of what gets there, and we've hidden the cost in subsidies of different sorts. Uh, but uh, we that means we've ta- not taken responsibility for the overall cost to society and to environment of heating with electric baseboard heats, uh, electric baseboard heaters. Where if my little rocket comes from is fueled as the, the local firewood guy has a big sign uh, in, in my 
neighborhood on uh, on side of his truck that says says fuel from Burton, Ohio, not Arabia. And there's enough of us who have had people come back not the same or not come back at all from Arabia. So we're talking about the electric uh, baseboard heaters having so little of the power that we started with at the, at the power plant actually heating our house, uh, where if my rocket heater is heated from sticks I pick up in the yard or from uh, even from wood uh, that's left over from the manufacturing of flooring down the street from me or my local uh, f- uh, firewood guy uh, who delivers firewood and he has a big sign on the side of his uh, on the side of his um, truck that says says fuel from Burton Ohio not Arabia and there's enough people wandering around Burton Ohio uh, who've sent our sons and daughters out to uh, Arabia um, to fight uh, and and had them not come back the same or not come back at all to think and, and watched our money all go out to fighting these wars to think hey, maybe I should use some of this Burton fuel maybe I, maybe I should use something closer to home and, uh, and I, I really like that as a, uh, a fundamental basis of, of figuring out what's mine to exist with um, and uh, and that rocket heater makes it a lot easier to heat my house with wood. So when it comes to uh, running a rocket mass heater in your backyard, um, I have heard a couple of things about some areas where it's like it's fine as long as you don't burn for more than two hours, which for a rocket mass heater will be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I generally don't run mine for more than an hour and a half. Um Another one was, is like, it's fine as long as you have uh, a bag of marshmallows or a bag of hot dogs on, like, like within 10 feet. It's like, you know, uh, suggesting that there's a fire here, but it's for the marshmallows or the hot dogs or whatever. Any place that has open burn restrictions, because there's a period of the year where you looking wrong at the grass around you will burn down thousands of acres will have restrictions and they have to balance those restrictions between what's reasonable for people to live with and uh, and what's going to kill us all and and what they perceive to be these things so they'll say no you can't burn trash you can't burn uh, a big pile of brush but okay look if you want to have a uh, if you want to have a campfire and as long as it's in this circle of stones, um, and you're uh, and, and and you're clearly having a campfire, then do whatever you want. And then when the when the neighbor reports you, and the person shows up who's supposed to investigate, and they uh, and they see that you're you've got a campfire, they're like, okay. Um, and and we've actually used that to burn brush when we had a big pile of brush we wanted to get rid of. We we make some stone thing because you can't have an open burn but we have hot dogs and we have marshmallows and and when the guy shows up and you go here's my marshmallows they say just get it over with soon and and keep a hose and then, and then they go away and um, and that and you can use that sort of a loophole but again the 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 more we can make it so we don't have to have that conversation because the the person shows up and says, you know, if you had put that, 
if you burned your brush in a rocket heater, that would heat your house for the year, that pile of brush that you just sent up in smoke and pissed off your neighbor, and I had to come out on my evening off, and because you were reported, uh, could have heated your house for a year. And, uh, and oh, really? How's that? With a rocket heater, you should read some more stuff on the internet, you know? This, this is where it transforms from being... Uh, a pissing match between neighbors, and um, in which you're you're involving your code guy to being something that uh, oh, I can do something slightly different and and not have to spend as much money and and also make the and the world better. Let's talk about insurance. So I I kind of feel like. Rocket mass heaters have made massive progress in the world of regulation. Uh, not totally there yet, but um, we're seeing you know so much happen. We're, we're, I I can't help but think that in three to four years it'll be um, pretty much in all building codes in the United States. I, I think because there's there's a lot of people that are out there fighting the good fight and making great progress. Insurance companies are a little slower. Um, and my impression is is that uh, I would guess that 5% of insurance companies now embrace rocket mass heaters, and I think that 10 to 15% have heard about them often enough that they are asking questions and exploring. That's been my impression so far, and... And it seems to me that when the insurance companies really get their head wrapped around a rocket mass heater, they've been very positive and very enthusiastic. And I think a lot of it is is that rocket mass heaters are oftentimes safer than uh, natural gas, propane, or even electricity. Um, and it's kind of like, I mean, you know, with electricity, we're talking about most, um, uh, I mean, if you're talking about baseboard heaters, those cause a lot of fires. Baseboard heaters uh, cause a lot of fires, um, and then people uh, messing with the uh, the you know wiring them and causing mistakes and getting hurt and starting fires. Um, the central um, uh, electric heat stuff tends to be relatively safe, um, and, but natural gas people are there's all kinds of problems you know from an insurance company perspective with natural gas. And rocket mass heaters have been um, uh, turning out to be far safer. The most, a lot of it being is that it heats your home for days after the fire's gone out, and it's it's fully inert. And so, it's like so while it's in that state of you're using the mass for heat, it is clearly far safer than any of the others. There's a tension between there's tension between things that we want to happen with fire in our house and um, and it balances different concerns that we have that are basically incompatible and anytime you have those tensions and then you have money to be made by ensuring that everything's going to be rebuilt that that just exacerbates these tensions uh, but the tension between um, uh, I want to be heated by this wood that I've gone to effort to buy or cut uh, this or this fuel of any sort I want it, I want to be heated by this 
um, and I want to the full use of my space, so I don't want to leave a buffer space between myself and that. Um, so, uh, and I don't want to. Um, I want to get it as far out of the room as I can. I don't want it in the middle of the room, and um, and, and that I might even be willing to not care that there's a two by four behind the drywall. That over time, the exposure to heat makes it take less and less heat to actually catch that on fire someday. Um, an insurance company is it has to deal with the the, um, the aftermath of poor thinking like this, and um, the, so I don't want to get up in the middle of the night. So I'm going to damp this down further, uh, which is going to cause a chimney fire and it's going to eventually. And um, but I didn't want to pay for the the, the triple wall pipe. So I kind of skimped on the, the gasket that goes through the flammable wall um, because the, the code guy didn't notice that. Um, and the insurance company has to deal with all this. Um, and, uh, and so the insurance company frequently, for m multiple reasons uh, that have nothing to do with hating rocket heaters or hippies or anything, uh, says no, we're not actually going to allow you to build this. And I'm finding far more restrictions with, uh, far more restrictions with um, insurance companies than with even code officials. Uh, the insurance company says, no, no, no. If it burns wood, no. Right. And then, the reason is we're, we're tired of paying money right. for houses that have burned down due to a chimney fire. Or if there's an open flame, no. Right. And, and so even if it's natural gas, if there's an open flame, no, because you've got a garage door, so you could pull your car in there, and if the car has uh, has a faulty gas cap, the fumes from that gas are going to blow up the place, and we know because we've had to pay for these before. Yeah. And um, uh, and so they get really convoluted in ways that an interaction with a code guy doesn't, uh, and it gets personal because it wasn't the code guy's money. The code guy didn't care, except that that code guy has this vague principle of a safe house being built. And the, the insurance company has lost money on everything that they write down, and they write down everything. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to allow it again if it's cost them money. So having the conversation with them about um, this is a way of building a heater that's safer than, uh, uh, than most open flames, than uh, anything that can possibly build up, build up creosote being able to have the conversation with somebody who actually knows enough to have the conversation. I mean, I've got friends whose insurance company, they've been heating with wood and had the insurance company for 25 years, and out of the blue, somebody shows up at the door and says, I'm here to inspect your wood stove. He says, you didn't call me. And they said, well, we don't need to call you. We need, we're telling you right now we're going to inspect your wood stove or we're going to cancel your insurance. Like, okay, come in. And they come in and look at this perfectly legal install that's been heating his house for 25 years with no problems because it was built correctly. There's a concrete floor, stone on the floor, stone on the wall. The, the, the wood stove is out here in the middle of the room. And they say, we want this further from there. What do you mean you want this further from there? Well, it's too close to the wall. And trying to explain to them that, well, there's a heat shield built into this very expensive wood stove that means it doesn't have to be that far from the wall, and the wall is not flammable, irrelevant. The insurance companies come out with a new policy, change this or we cancel it. And he's looking at thousands of dollars 
and new permits and every move this thing around for no reason except to please this insurance company. And they ultimately um, <laughs> called another insurance company and they said, is it legal? Yeah. And they said, okay. And he changed insurance companies. Which is a big thing for rocket mass heaters. Yes. Yeah. You know, find those insurance companies that are like, rocket mass right. heaters are awesome. So I had, uh, had a, a great interaction with an insurance person who called me because they'd never heard of what this woman wanted to install, which was a rocket heater she'd built at one of our workshops. She wanted to install a rocket heater in her upholstery shop in Ohio because she couldn't afford to keep the temperature in her upholstery shop above 50 degrees. You ever tried doing anything at the desk at 50 degrees? Okay. Actually, yes. Yes. But I did other things to without mitigate. Without your other things to mitigate. Yeah, without the other things. Miserable. Oh, yeah, okay. miserable. You're miserable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So she's like, but this is how she's lived. And she's like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm tired of my hands being cold. <laughs> so she saw the thing and came and built her own rocket heater. And she came back and the insurance company said, oh, what? Yeah. Because And her code guy said, just make sure the chimney's up to code. Okay. Can you do that? Yeah. Okay. In fact, you can do it yourself. I'll email you a copy of the form. That's how much the code guy cared. And yeah. as long as it was up to code. And so we're going to be able to install an up to code uh, 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 chimney for her. But the insurance company is what? No. So this interaction, uh, she calls the person back and says, let me talk to somebody who actually can make a decision on this. So the person who works with the actuaries who calculates the risk calls her back and actually knows why they say no. And we were able to interact with the person, it was fascinating to interact with the person who knows why her company is saying no, and can process the information, and was kind of excited to see these things, and, and it ultimately came back to us and said, well, our, our company doesn't like to have anybody have solid fuel of any sort, open flame, devices heating outbuildings because outbuildings have people paying less attention to them than, than wood stoves in the house, and also because outbuildings with an opening garage door have a car in them or often a gas tank can sitting there or something, and somebody does something to mess something up. Right. So we say no. So, okay, so what do we got to do? Because this isn't being used as a garage. This is, this is, a, this is a, a workshop, and... The only time that garage door is ever opened is to haul in more rolls of upholstery fabric. We're not keeping a car in there. Do we need to like bolt a spike in there so that you can't drive a car in? She says, she says that might help. <laughs> and, uh, but we went through some, some things, and she said, okay, I have this information. Let me go back to my people because this sounds like it's something we can do. But I need to give them, they need to tell me what more information they want for them to make a decision. And she came back and said, no, that makes sense. We'll approve that because, because it makes sense. And getting to the point of talking to somebody in a company who can actually make a decision that makes sense can, all, can be just challenging in and of itself because mostly you're disempowered as a company employee to make anything but a very small decision, very specific to your job. And, and then if you make a decision outside of parameters, that's not, that's verboten. So, uh, but the more that it's normalized, the more that this interaction is normalized, hey, I want to install a rocket heater. It doesn't have any creosote. It doesn't create creosote. Wow. <laughs> that means that if we charge you the normal rate 
what we charge for a wood stove being installed because it's a wood stove. Let's just call it a wood stove and we'll charge our normal rate and we'll make more money insuring you yeah. because you're less likely to burn the house down. Ka-ching. Ka-ching. Yeah. And then you start getting more insurance companies saying, why are they making more money than we are? Well, because yeah. the people who we're insuring aren't screwing it up for all of us. All right. Big wrap up is that uh, regulators and insurance companies I mean, I think in the last year, we have seen um, like a 40% growth in progress for rocket mass heaters. Um, and I can't help but think that in five years' time, I mean, we'll see, I, I imagine 90% of the uh, regulators and insurance companies will be on board with rocket mass heaters. It's all about those people that have, you know, installed them and asked for them to be inspected and they're getting greater buy-in. So there's been a lot of people that have been trailblazers and now in their communities it, uh, the trailblazing is complete. Two things with that is that when you, when you show up and so, when somebody shows up to inspect a rock heater installation and you see something made out of stone and clay and metal and completely surrounded by other things that are inflammable or not flammable, this calms you down a great deal. And when you see that the place where you are touching and the place where where the, the the where the wall comes in contact with the most heat is very low in temperature because you've spread that heat out over this bench that slowly releases it. That again is very relaxing in terms of your concern that they're going to kill themselves or somebody else. And that, that, um, so the, the sense of safety, look, this is the way it's engineered to be safe, and, and, you know, and the only place that gets really hot is way up there, so the kid can't even reach someplace that's going to burn themselves. We built our bench around our rock heater for that purpose, that our little baby, by the time they're old enough and, and, and clever enough to get up on that bench to touch the high spot, they're also, they've also found that the spot below is a little too warm to be comfortable, so they're not going to try to touch it. Um, and then the, uh, the second thing that, that arises with this sense of safety is um, we know that rocket heaters can, in theory and in practice, be installed with just this little vent going out the wall because they have the chimney built into here and it'll push it out. Mm-hmm. We know that works most of the time, except that if you, if a person whose job it is to make sure that only safe things get built shows up at your house and it looks like your wood stove goes out a dryer vent, the alarm <laughs> bells go off in this person's yeah. mind and there is nothing you will be able to say to prove to them that, that that what you're doing is safe. It's not possible. You have just killed it for yourself and for everybody else around you. But if they come in and they see a fully properly installed wood stove triple insulated pipe, then they're, okay, somebody knew what they were doing. What is this thing? And now you have a moment to explain Wait, so we'll never need that triple insulated pipe because it's not going to burn the house down with chimney fire. Wow, that's cool. So now you're not so much, and you might still be in trouble for doing it without permission, but you're in trouble with somebody who thinks that you're smart. 
mm-hmm. rather than somebody who thinks you're an idiot. Right. So build confidence. Build confidence by making everything look as absolutely safe as you can. I think another good one is the J tube. So like you look at the wood feed for the J tube, and it's like that's all, we don't burn any more wood than that at right. one time. Right. I think that builds confidence too. It's like wow, that's like one-fifth of what a normal uh, conventional wood stove holds. So your fire is that much smaller. It's like it would be hard to create a problem. Most of the work that the firefighters had to do when I had a chimney fire at my old house with my big old wood furnace, most of the work they had to do was to try to get the wood that was still there and ready to catch on fire in this very hot, but damped down completely because I try not to fill the house with smoke because the chimney had collapsed and was on fire. Furnace, they're trying to get the wood out without that door, that open door, filling the house with so much smoke that the insurance had to come in and do it. They had to figure out how to do it, and they, they did that. But that was most of the work they had to do in interacting with my chimney fire. And um, and if there's just this little bit, and you're able to put a lid on it, and it mostly goes out. You know, this is this is controllable. This is this is controlling the chimney fire, and only just a look a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and you're paying to paying attention. That's the that's the other thing is if you have to pay attention to this thing, or it goes out. So you, you have your little J tube, and you're putting something in there, and then oh, I got to take a phone call, and when and you come back, and, and the default is that there's nothing left. Yeah, that it didn't smoke up the room in the yeah. process. It it just actually burned what little bit was there. So now your bad thing happening is you got to start the fire again, which is really easy to do once the thing's warmed up. Instead of your bad thing being the room filled with smoke or the house on fire because you stopped paying attention. So regulators and insurance companies are made far more comfortable because somebody has to pay attention. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about rocket mass heaters, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.